everybody. So welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. And we are here today to do one of our Christmas podcasts off of season. And we are talking about movies that involve friendship in some way or another. I'm hoping this can become kind of a regular thing every month, maybe every other month. We'll figure it out. But we have our very good friend, Elisa is here from Best Forever's Pod. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. Yes. Elisa, how do you feel about the fact that your podcast, you've done three of them for us, mm-hmm. and two of your three are in our top five most listened to of all time? That's uh, bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> but also, one of the things it makes me think of is I've primarily been here to talk about friendship And then I was also here to talk about three Christmas movies, which included my favorite cookie crawl situation. And so it makes me think that people either really love cookie crawls like I do, or they really love friendship like I do. And either way, that makes me very excited to know I'm not alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I think that the... uh... I think the Venn diagram between cookies, cookie crawls, and friendships is probably pretty, pretty small. So, I don't know anyone who doesn't like a cookie crawl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait to host my own cookie crawl. Someday. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get ready for this upcoming Christmas. Yes. I am very excited about that. <laughs> now, we seriously, we laughed so hard at that cookie crawl. And normally, I try to keep things uh, down in length, like manageable, I guess. I try. Yeah. Some people might not think I try, but I really do. But that <laughs> one, I was just like, meh, forget it. We're just having fun. We talked for, it was like an hour and a half. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and it's very interesting to me that actually <laughs> both of ours have been pretty long, the ones that are in the, but yeah, top five, what are you going to do? So I, that's and I'm also a communication professor, so I do like to talk, so. <laughs> <laughs> but anytime you need to reel me in, you know, just be one of these. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, like I said, every month or something like that, we would talk about a movie from Hallmark that had more to do with friendship. Of course, there's not a ton Mm -hmm. about romantic relationships, and there might be a BFF kind of character, but that specifically have a theme of friendship. We've already talked about the seven-year hitch. We've Mm -hmm. already talked about uh, the three Christmas movies that that you were there for, and then Love Takes Flight, which Mm -hmm. was about uh, the little girl being a really afraid yeah. for her mom and wanting her to have a friend. So one that I thought of that came to mind is the movie, the Christmas choir. Mm-hmm. The Christmas choir came out in 2008, which is like the stone age of Hallmark. <laughs> this is so old. <laughs> a classic. You <laughs> yes, mean it's it vintage is. Hallmark. <laughs> it's before countdown to Christmas even started. What? That's how old it is. Yeah. Wow. That's old. <laughs> And I think you can tell in certain ways that it is old school. And sometimes yeah. I prefer old school homework, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just think they were a little bit more uh, gritty, just, just a teeny bit, yeah. teeny bit yeah. more. Yeah. And had sometimes a little bit more humor. Uh, and, you know, kind of went places that they wouldn't go now, have like a character getting drunk, things like that. You would never have in modern day hallmark and so this movie (laughs) got it all then (laughs) i know it really is and this movie is based on a true story see i didn't know that until you sent me the questions (laughs) 
like, and then I was like, wait a minute, did the trailer say it was based on a true story? I might have missed that. <laughs> yeah, based on a true story. It's about this man who is this accountant. He's kind of dead to the world and workaholic and whatever. And uh, he ends up through various conferences, ends up becoming the head of this choir for homeless people to try to earn some money, extra money, and just sort of the experiences that he has along the way. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a few of these now. What was yes. your overall feeling about this movie? I thought it was really good. And, you know, I say this every time I'm on, but I just do think it's a, it's a good reminder that I typically watch Lifetime more so <laughs> than I do uh, Hallmark. But maybe by coming back monthly or <laughs> by monthly, I'll be say I won't be able to say that anymore. Yeah. But so I typically am a lifetime sort of junkie and watch Hallmark movies with my mom. And I would say that all the ones that I've watched have been enjoyable. The Cookie Crawl still, I mean, I don't know if any movie can beat that, but this one was very enjoyable for a lot of different reasons. And so I was pretty excited about it. It made me go, see, work-life balance is good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't work too much. <laughs> yeah, it really did bring on the feels. I I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I hadn't seen it. I knew I remember liking it, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I don't know. I was I it, it made me it made me tear up. Mm-hmm. It I thought it was just really sweet, and I thought it had flawed characters mm-hmm. that grew and changed mm-hmm. and it's a like it, it might be one of my favorite Hallmark Christmas movies. It's, Whoa. Is that it's, a bold it, statement? It, it Hallmark is. Christmas it, it's, <laughs> it's in the discussion for sure. I think yeah. it's really a good one. And so it starts out, like I said, this uh, bad man of business <laughs> who's played by Jason Patrick and his secretary Rita is getting after him to get out and experience the world and he's just all he cares about is work 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 mm-hmm. and he has this relationship with this woman named jill uh who is a party planner or something well that was confusing because <laughs> i felt like she had like an art not an art studio um what are, where do they show art like a gallery gallery i thought she had like an art gallery but then later she was planning like a party for christmas for the mayor and so i was like i don't get what she does yeah but- some kind of <laughs> event planning of some kind yeah i was sure if, is she in charge of his like electoral campaign and was planning of i don't know what was going on but anyway he thinks that they're gonna get married and he's just kind of checking off boxes he, de- he doesn't yes. really love her but it's like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> You're just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do relationships. You're fine. Yeah, you work. We, you fill the bill. And yeah. so she ends up <laughs> dumping him, rightfully so. And he's feeling pretty depressed. And he goes and he meets Big Bob yes. at the uh, bar. bar. I guess the bar. <laughs> The, the lounge he likes to frequent. <laughs> and <laughs> he's playing piano there and they start to talk and bob says come come to my house mm-hmm. i want to introduce you to my out to my, my family, family and friends yeah <laughs> and he ends up going there and it turns out it's a it's a shelter 
-hmm. And uh, so I'm curious, how do you feel about Big Bob, first of all, but second of all, how do you feel the movie kind of portrayed the homeless? And Mm -hmm. did you feel like it was patronizing at all? Or do you feel like it captured a real enough for this kind of movie? How did you feel about the portrayal of these homeless guys? Well, I really, what's his name again? Big Big Bob. Big Bob, sorry. I was like, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> I need to remember Peter. So Big Bob, I thought he was a cool character. And like, I knew that it was going to be about a homeless shelter. But if I had just like stepped in and started watching it and not read a description, I would not have realized that they were going to a shelter until they were at the shelter. Yeah. I, I would have been like Peter in that sense of like, maybe surprised when arriving at the shelter or even before he arrived at the shelter because he was like nervous about the area of town and Big Bob was like don't worry about it you're fine and you know that sort of thing um but I thought that they portrayed the homeless men in this movie I would say in both realistic and patronizing ways Mm -hmm. I guess I think that you have a group of homeless men who are frequenting or staying at the shelter Um, or at least coming by for food and other things of that nature. And I think that you kind of got the mix of what stereotypically is a homeless person, right? You have someone who drinks, right? So you have some people who are alcoholics. You have someone um, who has stolen Peter's pen. And like, he even makes that assumption, like my pen is missing. And I kind of wish his pen was not stolen. I kind of wish he just misplaced it because i think that's the assumption is that because someone is homeless well they must have robbed me and so but at the same time i i do understand that each one of those characters probably reflects someone who does exist right you know what i mean like um an experience that someone has had but i felt like they were all in that group together yeah um but i do think what they captured extremely well was people's stereotypes and how people view homeless people um, throughout the movie, a lot of times through Peter's eyes or his actions and sort of the mistakes he makes. And I think that for those of us who are fortunate um, to not been in a situation like that, and I don't even think they call them homeless anymore. It's a, there's another word for it. I can't remember. Oh, what it was. Um, without housing or something like that. Yeah, something, yeah, something like that. Um, because of the stigma that goes along with the term homeless, right? That yeah. And I think that people are homeless for a lot of different reasons. Like even when you think about war and things like that, people with PTSD, um, I think, you know, a lot of people might be temporary, home, you know, temporary in that situation. Um, but I just think that that was what was captured well. I think they really got at this idea of sort of those who are not homeless, how they might view or be concerned or um, just afraid of homeless people in a lot of cases much like most people you don't have to be but there's always whether you're homeless or not there's still people who are not good people you know what I mean but I thought they captured our stereotypes and the assumptions that we make about homeless people very well like I felt that like I was like you know oh maybe that was something I've done before or you know like oh Peter made a real big mistake saying that or doing this thing or assuming that you know, this guy stole from him. So I would say the characters, there was sort of like a, a different category of each person, you know, that you might anticipate. 
but I thought like the overall sense of how we react to homelessness was on point. Yeah, I think I basically agree. I there's definitely a feeling I felt like in in the '90s in a lot of kids movies, there's always sort of this like troop of archetypes. I would say yeah. there's like the fat one and yeah. the a disabled one and the like newsies you know for the classic yeah. example there's the cool one there's the leader there's the whatever you know, <laughs> thing but like sandlot yeah. and newsies yeah. and breakfast and, club <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and i feel like this is a little bit kind of the homeless version of that yeah but <laughs> and uh but yeah i we did an episode on memorial day movies last uh last year and watched watched this movie named duke and about this homeless man uh and his dog and it was very devastating and very i thought it was very well done i really i mean i didn't enjoy it but i was yeah no i know what you mean edified by it and i i i wish i had these stats right in front of me but they say some statistic that something like over half of those without housing in Los Angeles uh, or Los Angeles County or something like that, over half were veterans. Half. half yeah. Which was but, so surprising to me that it was that high, that much. Well, you know, I, uh, what year was the Duke movie from? Was it a 2018 movie? Uh, no. Uh, let's see here. Because I was going to say. 2012. 2000, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like some of that, you know, it's one of those things like it's a surprise because you don't want it to be that number. But then at the same time, you're like, because of the PTSD, like crossing over into needing assistance that might be mental versus physical. I think there's a stigma there. And so I do think that we could do more for our veterans. So in some ways that doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't want it to be that way, but right. I'm also like, oh yeah i was surprised it was as high as it was but yeah it's interesting and i i think they do a pretty good job partly because i think the actors each one of them kind of elevate these archetypal roles yes Mm -hmm. i I think that it's quite well cast each one of these guys yes and i I, I agree a lot and so yeah big bob is is super sweet and great and uh, did you buy kind of the overall sort of transformation of peter from this um i did I did, but I didn't like how quick he was to, um, and I'm going to blank on, is it Steve was the alcohol? Oh, Hector. Hector. Okay. That, um, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Peter, folks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things is I thought he was a little too quick. Like I felt like you know, Jill broke up with him. He went to this bar. He met Big Bob. I don't think that he had any inclination that he would be in a shelter that night and that he would end up going back and then going back again. And he had going back again with this idea for the choir. And I think that that sort of, you know, he needed something to change in his life. Mm -hmm. Like he absolutely 100% did because he's a workaholic um, him and his father aren't really interacting with each other. Um, his dad is an alcoholic, you know, so there's all these things going on. And I, I sort of buy into how he started the choir, but I thought he was too quick to sort of um, push Hector aside um, after making a mistake. And 
but there's two thoughts I have about it. One is I think it reflects that maybe people's expectations for say if they're going to volunteer or they give someone who's been homeless a job, they almost might have higher expectations for them. So if they make a mistake, then it's like, oh my goodness, like you're out of here. But then at the same time, I had to remember that his dad is an alcoholic. So someone coming into choir practice, which was the number one rule was that you have to come sober. um, And he broke that rule. um, But he was so big on people deserve second chances, him included. And then he was unwilling to give this person a second chance. I thought he was a little too quick to that. And I think he was a little too quick. Now this might be the relational scholar in me, but I thought, and that's my cat, Ferguson, if you're watching the video. (laughs) He's like the little angel on my shoulder telling me the good things to say. (laughs) Um, I thought that he did fall in love with the young lady, Marilyn, yeah. Marilyn, who works. Thank you for all the names today. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Again, I remembered Peter. Um, I, I thought that happened too quickly because essentially when he met Big Bob, Big Bob was singing Christmas music. So it's at least after Thanksgiving is what you would assume. And then they start the choir and do all this and the movie happens all before Christmas day. So it yeah. does move very fast. It does. I, I think I actually, <laughs> I buy him flipping out like that. We'll talk a little, we'll talk a little more about it, but what, what didn't quite feel as believable, I, I believe him losing it. I think that that's, that feels true to somebody with addiction, an, an addict, mm-hmm. a highly toxic parent. And with him just sort of learning to be nice, <laughs> he's new <laughs> at this. Um, what I didn't necessarily buy is that he would then go and get stoned himself, get yeah. stoned himself. That's, That's a good point. Believable to me. And I think one of the things about, and I agree with that because yeah, that's very strange that he would then go, like, it seemed like he had been to the bar before and he went back to the same bar, but then he got, and maybe they were trying to get him to have, because like, he even says that, is this rock bottom? He says that mm-hmm. to his dad. And because what happens is he is so drunk, he falls asleep outside. And it's almost like he has to have that moment of what it's truly like to, I mean, it's not truly uh, as close as oh, someone who, yeah, who does have a home to, you know, he slept outside overnight and then on his way home, he accidentally ran into someone and the lady was like, watch your, your like, she was so nasty. Like she saw him differently, but so I do agree with that. But one of the things is I forgot that his dad was an alcoholic until I was like, until they had a conversation later. And then I was like, oh yeah, that mm-hmm. makes more sense. And so maybe that relationship or lack of relationship or the reasons why it could have been a little bit more prominent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that in, uh, that's the problem with television movies is just that they do have to kind of condense things a little bit. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But I, I think they did an overall pretty good job of, of like definitely the casting mm-hmm. and portraying these, these uh, guys. And I thought they all had pretty good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I thought that was really cool. I'm curious to ask you, how do you feel like community service and sort of community in general kind of plays into what you know about in your studies about friendship and and that kind of thing. 
Well, that's one of the first things that I I think that really stood out to this movie for me was that there was a large group of people because although there are a lot of cast members in the other movies I've watched with you or with my mom, for example, but the idea that there was a, such a large group and that there are very few women. Mm-hmm. And so how many Hallmark movies focus almost entirely on men? And I know for some people who might be listening, who might be like, you know, well, Hallmark is for women. I don't think that's true. I think there are a lot of men out there who are probably listening to us right now. Hello, gentlemen. (laughs) Hello. But also, um, but I think that that is something that we see more often is that, okay, so the primary relationship we're going to see is romantic. We're primarily then going to see family. And then we might see like a friend or so. So to have all these men come together to have essentially a bond, which is creating friendship, I thought was really unique and very cool of Hallmark to do. So I think that's one of my favorite parts because most friendships that we know um, and give attention to, if we do give attention to friendships, are women's friendships. And so I think it was really neat to see the men's friendships. Um, But in terms of the community, you see them build groups, right? Through, you have a leader through Peter, they have a set of rules. They have a common goal. Wasn't all They weren't all on the same page at the beginning. What I see is when I teach small group communication, you see that happening, right? Um, you see these, some people come together, like Big Bob is always there. And then you have the gentleman who's like, doesn't talk and have his hood up until he like mm-hmm. breaks into his singing. And you're like, oh, you can sing? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a choir this is where you're supposed to let that happen. (laughs) But like, there's people only coming for donuts, you know, like there's all these different things going on. And then when they get on the same page, you can really see them being able to bond together and come together and be more successful as a group because they're working together as one unit instead of different individuals. But then you see the conflict come into play when you have someone who is no longer sober and then the leader who sort of kicks him out and the group doesn't agree with it. And so to me, I think that community is important to relationships. Like it's important for us to be a member of a community. Um, and so I think that's really neat to see is like these gentlemen coming together for, the, for a common goal. Takes them some time to get there, but it's through the communication and meeting to do choir practice and starting to see success and, and moving on to these common goals that by the end, they've built stronger friendships. And so I think that is something that is important to friendship is some people have one-on-one friendships, some people have small groups, and then some people have some larger groups. But generally, we're also members of other things like church groups, or mm-hmm. if we get together for knitting group or a book club or that sort of thing, it's, it's you know, there's people get together to go to choir, right? Like there's people listening right now who one of their ways to connect with other people is to choir, just like these guys did. Mm -hmm. And I think having these types of groups is critical for us. Finding people who are similar to us can understand us and that we can bond with and have a good time with. And so um, I think though, what you see that's a little bit different than what you would see in friendship is typically in friendship relationships are equal And when you come in, Peter's relationship with them is different than their relationship among each other. And I think you see it change throughout and it's because he is not one of them, Mm -hmm. right? So they have their own community that they're a part of, 
no matter who they're with, right? They are part of individuals who've experienced homelessness and Peter has not experienced that. So they don't trust him right away. There's some people questioning his agenda. Even um, the nun uh, is, yeah. who runs the shelter questions him. And then you see that their relationships become more equal in status. And that's typically what you want in friendship is to have equal standing. It shouldn't be where one person has more power than the other. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the idea of the third place? in sociology it's pretty interesting it's it's based on this book the great good place by ray oldenburg and uh it's kind of outdated now because it was written in the 90s and our ideas of sort of friendship have changed so much but the idea is that that every human has their home their work and then you need a third place oh that's interesting yeah and so he's talking about like your pub your bookstore your cafe mm-hmm. your civic organization Mm -hmm. like the lions club something like that whatever Mm -hmm. it might be church could be Mm -hmm. and uh, and so i think basically for these men the choir kind of becomes that third place and the the homeless shelter is kind of that the mission i guess you might say now is kind of become that third place that they kind of connect and and uh you know now we've been making it more and more and more the the you know the internet has become kind of our third place yeah uh, but uh, i think it's also important to kind of have at least something that's mm-hmm. in real life that's also yeah. your third place that's that's really interesting and like sociology and psychology you know communication the field that i'm part of takes mm-hmm. a little bit like we're younger as a field than sociology and psychology so i haven't heard of that but it makes complete sense right it makes sense we spend Here's what's interesting. We spend the majority of our time in our life at work. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) This is why Peter needed to step back because he didn't have, and I've heard people say that there's no such thing as work-life balance, that you have to focus on work-life management, which I think is interesting because that means you always have to be managing it. It's not ever going to be truly balanced, right? So, but I think that it makes absolute sense that, you would have your workplace and at the workplace, you would want to fit in or be accepted or be understood. Like we all might have at least one coworker who's our, our, our friend, right? Then you have your home, which you might not, I mean, you can have sibling ships. I call them sibling ships, parent ships. I think like family and friend can blur and then having a third place, I think indicates that's where friendship is. I don't necessarily put friendship in like for a second, third place (laughs) (laughs) if we're talking about a race, (laughs) but I do like that idea and it can be anything. And and as soon as you're like a pub, a bookstore, that's one of the things like where I'm at, I I like my home. You can see some of it behind me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I like my job at Central Michigan University. And I have a third place. Some of it's online, like talking with you right now through Mm -hmm. the podcast community. But Mount Pleasant, Michigan doesn't have a bookstore. Mm -hmm. We have a student bookstore. That's not the same thing. That's not like going into a Barnes and Noble or a local place. Um, All the pubs here are for college students. And so that's (laughs) one of the things that I think is slightly missing here is that for some people, there might not be a third place here but you would have to create it. So like we have, it's called HATS. It's like the Humane Society for Animals. Like you can volunteer there 
right? Um, there's Rotary Club, there's mm -hmm. other things that, but you might have to, in some places, look more for that third place, right? Other people might come to them easier, it might be easier to find in a big city, mm -hmm. um, it might be easier to find if you just have a bookstore in your town. <laughs> but I think for Peter, he does not have to have a third place. And it's almost as if it was lucky or fate or whatever you want to call it that he came into contact with Big Bob that night because yeah. he definitely needed to find that third place. And I think what's interesting is at the end of the movie, they're all talking about how Peter changed their life, right? That, you know, the nun stopped smoking, this person got a job, this let's be real the the reason why that happened to begin with is because of big bob yeah that's true you, you know so yeah. gotta give credit where credit's due <laughs> yeah so what yeah what did you think of sister agatha played by rhea perlman what did you think of her i character? like the casting i i thought this for me a lot of times with both hallmark and lifetime casting is critical yeah and i think that the casting for this movie was top notch and i believe the guy who plays peter was on the closer right I think he plays um, sure. Kyra Cedric's uh, husband on the show. Okay. Uh, but um, I thought the casting was real good. Um, and so I liked her in that character. I had a slight problem with her, though. And I don't yeah. know if you had a problem with her. And if, if you did, if we might have had the same problem. <laughs> but there's one particular scene that i i don't enjoy um and that was when she told peter that the choir was bad and mm -hmm. that she was going to break their hearts um and i was like and big bob overheard it and mm -hmm. and i think it's just one of those things like when you're in a public place or choir practice has just ended you mm -hmm. might need to have that conversation somewhere else because i think that it can be taken wrong when it's mm -hmm. overheard but i also thought it was a little harsh because what does she know about choirs yeah i mean that's fair i mean i kind of liked it because i think it made her sort of more of a dynamic character like she was flawed and she made mistakes and she wasn't she certainly wasn't some perfect yeah sort of preachy nun at all uh, and uh she i think she immediately kind of knew that she'd made a mistake and yeah. i i only get i guess frustrated with bad choices if there is if they're somehow validated by the script or yeah. they're not sort of dealt with uh yeah. in, in this case they were and and you know she, she's an interesting character because she loves these people and she wants to help them but she's also i've probably been burned a yeah. lot in mid-takes so she's a little bit cynical and she's yeah. a little bit you know just built up this kind of hardened edge to it which is probably by necessity i mean there's gonna be a lot of people probably doing what she's doing that are you know addicted that are going to take advantage of her yeah. that and and so she's worried that these ones that they are going to get hurt but also she kind of has just this built up this tough exterior and i i thought they did a good job with her and Especially, I, I thought Real Perman did a good job at the ending. We'll talk about the ending, but I you know, yeah. just felt pretty devastated for her. Yeah, well, and here's yeah. the thing. Everything you're saying is absolutely correct. I think that Hallmark made me love the, the characters in the movie so much. I was like, why is she being mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so true. I think it was Elisa in the zone of the show who was like, I don't like this scene. And I was like, 
you know, and also because she's like, it was great. And then it was like, it was bad. And it's like, you know, there's other ways to do that. Like the communication person to me is like, they'll, they'll never get better if you just constantly tell them they're good. But what you're saying about her experience and being burned in the past, 100%. Is she cynical? 100%. I think it was just me, the TV viewer, who was like, that was mean and <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. And but what do you think are the barriers that keep people from doing what Peter did? I mean, we know this is a true story. Someone really did, obviously, they take dramatic license and things. But what do you think is barriers that keep us from serving those around us and, and doing I, that? That is an excellent question. And it was something that I was thinking about while I was watching it. Um, and one of the things is, you know, I have a job. I have a pretty good job, but because of how much student loans I have, um, I, I don't get as much back, right, um, each month in which to do things. And I was like, you know, just thinking about my next paycheck is another week away. And it's like, I, I don't think I could even donate if like the shelter burned down and I was thinking as they're trying to fundraise and get money for the shelter. I was like, if that happened in my community right now, I don't even have money that I can donate. And so I think finances is something. However, I do know that people, there's a certain pay that people get that are more likely to donate back and it's people who have get lower pay so like people who make a lot of money don't donate as much money as people do who have a lower income mm -hmm. so so some of it is i think it is finances i was like yeah i would love to help you know people and do this or just donate to this thing or that thing and, and then i think it really does come down to maybe it's how i budget like if that's something i truly want to do i might need to sit down and be like okay what do i want to donate to and how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, that's what I was thinking. The second thing is time. Like, I don't think people think they have time, right? Like, oh, I don't have time to go, um, you know, volunteer at this shelter. But truly, we make time for the things that we want to do. And so if that's something we wanted to do, we would find a way to do it, even if it was an hour a week, right? Yeah. And so I think like, he was like, I can't do that. Well, he was working too much and he needed to do something else. And I think it's through donating time and money and other things of that nature that we truly can feel some good, like gratefulness and, and a whole host of positive feelings for ourselves by helping other people. And so I think a lot of times, you know, you'll see things online that's like, what are some of the things you can do if you're feeling down today? It's like, well, write down the things you're grateful for. It's a... Uh, you know, take a long bath. It's, you know, go work out. Well, it's also volunteer and volunteer your time. That can make people feel better. And so I thought that is, I think those are some of the, the hindrances is that we don't think we have the money and we don't think we have the time. And I think it's because we might not make it a priority, myself yeah. included. Like I was yeah. like, oh, this is making me feel like I need to do something different. So Hallmark really thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also there's like different seasons of life. I, I mean, right now I, I, I try to consider sort of some of the stuff I do in the podcast is, 
is a little bit of service for people, a little yeah. bit of entertainment. Also, uh, I, I take, you know, my friends with me to the different screenings. I know this might seem like a little thing or, uh, I don't know, just if little only I lived near you. I know we get so much fun. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, and then I've had other seasons in my life where I was really invested in different causes, different things. I, I like the idea of, even if you're not necessarily religious, a friend of mine, she would pray every day to be put in the path of, of some way to serve them yes. in a small way. And even if you're not religious, I think that idea of kind of thinking about it and having an eye open for it. And when you're looking for something, you usually end up finding it and, yeah. uh, and kind of having, uh, it's like in the movie we saw, we watched last time with just having sort of being comfortable and open of talking to to walter in the cereal aisle you know and just kind of being <laughs> a friendly nice person i think could get you a long way and uh, and you know it's interesting what you said about we don't think we have the time mm -hmm. because i hear that all the time from people like how do you have the time to do what you do and i do have a very general very ideal work situation so i'm mm -hmm. grateful for that but i also i don't watch any sports I didn't even watch the Olympics this last year, which was, what? I know <laughs> I, I don't watch anything, almost anything that I'm not going to review or yeah. that I uh, am watching for the podcast. Uh, yeah. Almost nothing. Yeah. I, I, I give up. I don't go on, on most trips. I don't, I mean, I give up a lot. And I think that people in that they, I think that more people who could do what I'm doing then they think they can do what I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just in the season of life where I can do it. But yeah. I, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing because uh, it, it just requires to be like, nope, this is more important. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, there's a, a talk in our church where they say, talk about good, better, best, mm -hmm. that you can spend your time doing something good. You can spend your time doing even better. And then you can prioritize the best things. Yeah. And of course, everyone has to decide that for themselves, but yeah. it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation. And I do think there's some sort of fear involved there. I, I know that for me, there are a lot of homeless people in Salt Lake mm -hmm. or people without housing, and it can be a little intimidating. It can be a little, yeah. it can be a little scary. I'm just going to be honest. And uh, so, you know, it's something about finding the right venues that'll make you more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So then you're more inspired to, to keep yeah. withdrawing that fear overcoming it and uh and finding finding the way to serve uh, within that works for you <laughs> yeah. and i and i like your this idea of like your seasons of life because maybe i might not have as i was talking about finances i might not have it now but once i get like one of my student loans paid down you know maybe it's like okay i got this one paid off and that gives me this amount more a month how about if i put 40% towards it, you know, like there's different seasons of life when you're more capable of doing things or you have more time for things. Yeah. Secondly, I also like this idea of that, what you're doing with the podcast. And I certainly see, you know, I've, I have more than one podcast, but specifically with best forevers, that's what I study. It's what I teach. And now it's what I podcast. And the reason why I wanted to start it was because I felt like I was doing research and then I'm trying to get it into a, a journal publication, but the people who might need information or want information about how to better their friendships or how to deal with issues in their friendships, guess what? They're not reading academic journals. Right. Yeah. 
they're probably more likely to listen to a podcast when they're in the car. I mean, you definitely shouldn't read an academic journal article when you're driving. Okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would probably say just maybe not read one at all because boring. <laughs> but, but I think that's a good point is that, okay, I don't get paid to do my podcast, right? And so it's like, you know, I have Patreon and I have support and I appreciate that because it makes things, a, you know, a little bit yeah. easier and I'm grateful for that. And, um, but it's also like, I am doing something you know, where people can get something that might be of use to them. And so maybe I am helping people in that way. Oh, I think so. Maybe it's thinking about that we might be doing service, but oftentimes we might think it has to be service in this way. Mm -hmm. So for example, as a professor on campus, I'm asked all the time to do trainings or presentations on campus, and I do them. I was presenting at orientation training last week. I'm going to participate in something called Grandparents University, where grandparents bring their grandchildren and they take different classes of interest, right? And so I'm doing one on podcasting and friendship. Super excited. Uh, I'm going to meet with people over in residence life about this thing. And so it's like, I can serve people with my knowledge and experience with communication. And that's something I never considered before. Yeah. So I felt bad about myself when I watched the movie. Oh no. <laughs> feel a little bit better. Yes. But also I think it also is what priorities do we make or what's important to us, right? And so communication is important to me, relationships is important to me, but also animals yeah. are. So maybe I can right. go to hats and you know participate there. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about it, I think about this a lot actually. When I was su- at a super low point in my life, I I really was just not, I was not happy at all, uh, particularly because of this manager that was just very, it was a very toxic situation Mm -hmm. for me. And there was this lady at the office, her name is Sandy. And I've just thought, I used to go in there all the time and just usually it was some made up ridiculous reason for me to need her help on something. Mm -hmm. And she had a whole, she had tons of stuff on her plate, but she never made me feel like I was a burden to her. The fact Mm -hmm. that she was my office mom and she really, really helped me a lot. And I'm sure she had no idea like how much she meant to me. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, and that's just her, you know, she'd see it as I was just doing my job but it really did mean a lot to me. So sometimes just even in our jobs, we can yeah. be the office mom or whatever it might be. And you yeah. know, sister Agatha asks an interesting question. She says, what is the purpose of life? And <laughs> Peter, Peter says to be happy. Mm. And she says, no, to be useful, which, ah! is, which is interesting, right? <laughs> to her. And yeah. I bet through being useful, you might be able to find happiness though, yeah. because of that feeling of being able to contribute is I think similar to feeling accepted and and needed and uh, other needs that we have as basic human beings and so that's really well yeah if if you think about Peter he went from just living to he found some way to be useful to these men and and how that made him happy you're absolutely right and so they they get to the uh he says the rules like you said he's you've got to be on time you got to be clean you got to be focused and the cardinal rule is to you've got to be sober and the reason why this is so important to peter is because his uh, father was 
a, a alcoholic still is are you never not an alcoholic if you're you know exactly you're in recovery sometimes but his father he he ends up deciding to call his father uh, and he goes and visits him and this was actually one of the the actor who played michael sarazan who played his dad uh he looks exactly like peter fonda to me but <laughs> but i yes. uh, he uh his was his second to last role before he passed away oh no and, yeah <laughs> i mean he was he was that's a downer i know <laughs> but he was an older person so it's not not too bad but i mean yeah but anyway yeah and i they have this very very tenuous relationship so it, addiction is a really really tough thing and i have to say in my family both of the people in my family who've really struggled with addiction it took them they couldn't beat it mm -hmm. yeah. and so it's it's i sometimes feel like can anyone beat it i know that they can yeah but it's it's so hard and i used to help people on my mission try to even just quit smoking and it was so hard and people had no idea how hard i had no idea before yeah. my mission how hard it is it you just think they can just kind of you know just be tougher and they'll figure yeah. it out you know like what yeah. what's wrong with them why are they so weak and it is just so 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 hard and so i liked this kind of second element of the movie dealing with addiction mm -hmm. dealing with peter's feelings about his about the, the choir and then also his dad and his journey to kind of be able to forgive his yeah. father for what he'd done you know when you mentioned at the beginning that you know hallmark movies usually don't have like you're not going to have an alcoholic in the movie. I think that the fact that it's such a huge part of the storyline is really interesting and um, very cool because, and when I mean cool, I don't mean like, yeah, drinking's cool. I mean the idea that let's talk about something that impacts people in a lot of different ways, individuals, uh, couples, families, um, those relationships between parents and children. And if we're actually seeing this um, happening, that it might provide people with some, even just knowing that they're not alone, I think is helpful to a lot of people knowing that they're not the only families dealing with addiction, right? Um, how to deal with those situations. But also I think in terms of how people communicate with people with addiction, I think you, you said it best in the sense that a lot of times people just assume that someone who drinks alcohol can just stop or that they can just stop smoking a cigarette. They can just stop smoking, uh, you know, doing drugs or they even like eating sugar, like sugar, you know, that's <laughs> addictive. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think that part of the difficulty in being able to communicate and help people who are addicted is by assuming that they can just shut it off. Yeah. And I think that if you believe that, then it's going to be really hard to forgive someone because you think that they're choosing to drink over having a relationship with you, but that's the addiction talking. That isn't the person talking. Yeah. And I think that's really important to understanding. Well, and also like an important part about forgiveness is that it really doesn't have anything to do with the other person. Yes. Yes. You have to just do it for yourself to be able to like the person may continue on doing horrible things or might continue on. It may 
may never get that sense of sort of closure on the kind of thing in that way, but you can forgive for yourself and for your relationship with God, your relationship yep. with, you know, whatever higher power that you, uh, that you feel because otherwise it's just going to consume your life and yeah. it has kind of consumed his life. Yes. And so that's, and then he allows, once he's able to forgive, then he's able to let the choir consume his life and he's yeah. able to be happy. So yeah. forgiveness is a really interesting concept. I talk about this in my classes and forgiveness is something that is, I think you're exactly right. Like if you want someone to forgive you, that's not up to you to make that like, there isn't, you can't make someone forgive you. It's up to that person to forgive. And each person's journey of forgiveness is going to be different. Mm -hmm. So someone would be like, well, you should forgive them by now. You can't put a timeline on forgiveness. You can't put um, any conditions on forgiveness. It is truly up to what's in the heart of the person and when they find that closure. And so in some ways you might be like, gosh, they really wasted a lot of time in their relationship because they weren't able to come together and that forgiveness was not able to happen. But when it did, they were able to come back together. And the thing about it is that might've been the moment that it worked for Peter. And I know sometimes you want it to move faster. (laughs) Some people, I mean, you know, I don't want to get too dark or anything like that, but I think about forgiveness, like in the sense of, you know, if someone in your family has been murdered, the people who forgive the person who's done it to me is, is just absolutely fascinating because most people can't forgive for the smallest of things. Yeah. And that's truly on most people like I can never forgive. And I think the reason why it might happen there and why it might happen quickly is because if not, it's going to consume them. And that is exactly why forgiveness is critical in those moments, because if not, they're never going to be able to live a life that they without Mm -hmm. just absolutely being destroyed. And It's it, to me, forgiveness is really fascinating. I could talk about yeah. this a lot. If you want to hear a really good TED talk on forgiveness, there's a, woman I named, do. there's a woman named Sarah Montana who I got to interview and she's incredible. And she actually had uh, her mother and brother killed and yeah. by somebody and her journey of forgiveness is very moving. And it was very moving to interview. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done. But yeah, I, and she talks about just acknowledging your wounds and then basically like deciding what you're going to do yeah. from that. And, and for some people, they, they might wallow in it for a while. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and some of it might be, like you talked about before, as you're talking about community service or being able to donate time, like the seasons of life. Maybe at different points in life, we're more likely to be able to forgive people than at other points in our life, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think when I was like 15, I probably wasn't forgiven anyone. Right, yeah. <laughs> you are five minutes late to pick me up from cheerleading practice. I'm never talking to you again. It's a, like a classic teenager move, right? <laughs> yes. you know, so I think there's different times too. There's different things, whatever the context might be, mm-hmm. will all have an impact on timing and ability to forgive um, yeah. and what well, that looks like for people. So they have this whole thing where they are, are going to go sing in the subway. They don't realize that you need a permit then they get a citation and they find out they have to audition and, that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I, I think that uh, I, I really liked the fact that he 
had them or that they decided to get their own clothes. Yes, that was cool. I thought that was cool because you need to sort of enable people to uh, to get their own, you know, to do their own thing. You don't want people dependent upon something yeah. like uh, And I thought that was really cool. And I liked seeing how they're all like different. And Yeah. Like, oh, you know, a chef jacket, you know, whatever yeah. works for them. But I also think, yeah, you have to empower people. Yeah, that's um, a better word. Yeah, and but I think there was also someone who forgot one, but he had like a backup, and and that guy was so pleased. He was like, yeah, like he wasn't able to get one, but there was a backup shirt, and he was able to put it on so he could be like everyone else. And I thought that was cool too. That's what I tell my students all the time in groups where they don't they don't like trust each other to bring what they need for presentation. <laughs> And it's like, here's what you do. If someone says they're going to bring the outline staple to class, you let them do it. And then when they don't, you can pull out the one that you brought as a backup, but don't you dare bring it out until they say they've forgotten it, right? You, you have to allow people to show that they can do stuff because then that's good for yeah. you. If you don't trust people, it helps build trust, right? And so I thought that was really cool. Additionally, I liked that they told him we want to get our own shirts. Yeah. Because I think that better helps him understand who they are as people. Um, these individual men want to be able to get their own shirts. Maybe that wouldn't be the case for someone else, but at the same time, they're helping him empower them versus, mm -hmm. like you said, be dependent on him. Yeah. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah, me too. And I did die laughing when they go to audition and the, the, the singer before them, it's like Simon Cowell is the judge or something. He's like, <laughs> he was like, <laughs> it's worse. He's like, that was awful. Whoever told you you could sing? <laughs> yeah, I know. My mom. No, uh, <laughs> that was really funny. At first, uh, I was like, is this a dream sequence where they feel like yeah. they're going to get destroyed? And then I was like, oh, that's like legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. It was really funny. So then they get the approval, and he ends up getting interviewed by a reporter. And uh, you also see Juan and Fred uh, going and getting jobs. Mm -hmm. And so things are looking pretty good. But then there's the second show is when Hector comes, uh, comes up drunk. And uh, he, Peter gets very upset. And he says, I'm trying to help you people. No, oh, that's the worst, worst part of the entire movie. Yeah. There is no reason no reason ever in life and this is coming from a communication person there's no reason in life why you should ever say you people yeah, it should no. not be in vocabulary whatsoever that is the quickest way to offend people i guess if that's what you're trying to do but it quickly shows that you are not like the people you're talking about and so yeah. it is splits people and um a lot of times i think it's also used when you know, like some people feel superior to the the individuals that they're speaking of. And I think that probably happens quite a bit with the, when people are communicating with homeless individuals. So yeah, I, when I heard that, like I was, I had it on my laptop and I was kind of doing some stuff in the kitchen watching and I was like, oh my goodness, like it was a literal gasp, rewind. <laughs> oh yeah. Worse. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. And so everybody's very upset. He leaves and uh, Fred says, after all this time, I really thought things had changed. Losers, all of us are losers. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, and then Rita says to, her, to him, for a moment there, I thought you had rejoined the human race. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry. 
And so, yeah. And Marilyn goes and visits his dad and then his dad comes to visit. And I really liked this interchange that he says, uh, he says, tells him, I did not give the piano away. And Peter says, I guess this is what hitting rock bottom is like. And his dad says, no, hitting bottom is when you are all alone and there's not a shoulder to lean on. So he reminds him that he has all of these people. I know really all the feels, all the really good feels. And he tells the the guy, he tells me, he says, I'm not a very good leader. And Fred says, oh yes, you are. And Fred is turning his life around. Hector is getting sober. Juan has a job. We're a team. So I was, it really was all the feels. (laughs) That's a really good, uh, that's the other thing. I think endings make a difference in, in the movies. And I liked the end of this one. Yeah. And you get a little bit of cheesy romance. I, yeah. I could have even, they could have even taken that all out because I don't think it was really needed, but at least it was very minimal. So yeah, I'm your yeah, business. And like I said, that was moving real fast. So I could have done it without <laughs> it as well. Or just even something I was like, I'm really enjoying, um, you know, I've really enjoyed knowing you and I hope we can continue. would have been great. <laughs> yeah. And then that's you have, all you need. Yeah. <laughs> And then you have Fred calling his son. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> it was it was really good. And Sister Agatha notices the smell and she's like, oh, it's just very uh, moldy or whatever. And uh, and then uh, it turns out that it was a gas leak and there's a horrible fire oh at gosh. the shelter. And uh, the they end up setting up this whole fundraiser uh, in the local church christmas eve and uh, he says remember the homeless especially this time of year they aren't that different from you and me and you know they set up all these phone lines and everything like that and it's really sweet Mm -hmm. and sister agatha says i'd like to introduce someone i never thought i'd call my friend oh yeah buddy (laughs) call my friend but he is peter brockman open your hearts and they and he tells he tells the crowd or whatever they they've certainly opened mine his heart it's so good oh my gosh yeah it was good too. <laughs> Jeez Louise. yeah and uh, i did think it was cute he gives marilyn who's the token taker at the at the subway or whatever yeah gives him the token that his mom had given him uh anyway that was kind of cute the necklace yes it was and yeah he says thank you uh to i'm giving you this to remind you that you are never alone and you are a, p- a part of something bigger so, so there you Everybody go that's some of that. we're all part of something bigger <laughs> so yeah this movie I, I can tell from our conversation it definitely gave you the christmas feels yes like in in may <laughs> in may yeah, I can even imagine more so having even, like, because I think depending on time of year, though, too, like, I think when you're watching all these movies around Christmas, I think it can enhance those feelings that you have. Mm-hmm. And they were strong enough to be felt in a non-Christmas time. So mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and, and not the case for this one, because this one's so good, but sometimes watching them out of order, uh, off yeah. season. I think I maybe can like something better because it's like, oh, Christmas. I miss yeah. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, clearly you're like ready for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. This is the Christmas choir. And uh, how many crowns would you give this between one to five? Okay. Um, <laughs> what did I give Cookie Curl? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> 
because I don't. I think you might have given it maybe a, at least a 4.5, I think. Yeah. Okay. Then um, I'm going to do 4.4 because I cookie yeah. crawl still my. Uh. <laughs> I really enjoy yeah. this movie. I thought that there was a really important messages throughout. I think um, in terms of like what I watch for when I'm watching TV, like I'm looking for relationships, how people communicate with each other. Cause I'm always looking for examples I can show in class or, you know, just, I think that's how I think about things anyways, is how people communicate with each other. And there were so many great examples of good, like effective and ineffective communication like things that I was like, I should show this in class, you know, especially like the you people. I was like, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but I talk about forgiveness in class. This would be a great example for that. I mean, so I, I enjoyed it. Personally, it had me thinking about what I could do differently in terms of service for myself. And so it wasn't just like a feel good movie. It was also a thinker for me in terms mm -hmm. of like, it made me think about something beyond the movie. And I think that's really great too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really good one. I think I'll give it also basically the same grade. I'm going to give it a 4.5 crowns. I think it's really solid and I wish they would make more kind of like this. Yeah. Uh, at least on, you've got your Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel, The Miracles of Christmas. Something yeah. like this just is perfect for that channel. Oh, for sure. And I wish they did more of those and, that are like this. And uh, I, I just really, in fact, I think I could even use an update on what's going on with the choir. I think you'd make a little sequel. And it oh would be really God. fun, right? I want to yeah. know, did they go on tour? <laughs> I know. Happened. What's happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking uh, about this movie with me. This was really fun. And I, I really appreciate it. So let us know in the comment section what you guys think of the Christmas Christmas Choir. and uh, Or on Twitter, let us know. We'd love to hear. And uh, Lisa, where can people find you? But I'm currently working on my webpage, alisalucas.com. So if you go to that, it does have all my podcasts there, um, but it is under construction. So I'll just let people know that. But I'm on Twitter at Best Forever's Pod, also Instagram and Facebook. And my personal Twitter is Dr. Alisa Lucas. Great. Yes. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media and on iTunes and YouTube. And make sure you're following the podcast, all of our social media and on iTunes and YouTube as well. If you're listening on iTunes, if you can give us your ratings and reviews, if you're listening on YouTube, give us thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. And we will talk again next month about something with friendship. If you guys have any suggestions of Hallmark or Hallmark-like <laughs> content, <laughs> that uh that we could watch and talk about uh, in future installments then let us know in the comment section that would be great and so thanks again and uh yeah we will talk again soon bye, bye.